Thank you, Jake. Oh, it's such a blessing to hear so many, so many voices singing together. This has just blessed me this morning. Thank you. I'd like to begin by uh, praying, so please join us. Uh, let's pray together as one body. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you for these folks in this room, for the families they represent, for the lives they have come from, and for the future you have yet to show us. Lord, we know that you are giving us every good thing. We know that this morning we all come to you with different states of mind, emotions. Lord, we pray that you would take take what we have to offer this morning and that you would make it into something beautiful. Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Spirit. We pray that that those gifts to us will translate into blessing into our communities, into our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We'll be in Titus 3 today. So turn in your Bibles to Titus 3. We're going to be there in a few minutes. So today we finish up our series on what it means to live differently. And we're not just living differently just to live differently. We're living differently so that we can bring people to Jesus. So we can bring people to an understanding of who Jesus is. Because information alone, if you remember from our conversation this last month, information alone does not draw people to the light by itself. The information is important, yes, but it was, always, it was never meant to be the stopping place. The information was always meant to lead us somewhere. So if people hear the information only, but they don't know that that knowledge that you have has changed and transformed your life, then it will always remain a two-dimensional story. Now it'll be a good story, but unless they see what it has done in you, it will simply remain information and never really become reality in those people. So we're called to do more with the information. We're called to put it into practice, to let this this good news of Jesus transform us into people who not only believe, but who live it out. Who believe as if our life depended on it. I mean, think about it. The way we treat one another here, it serves to prove that the things we believe are true. When people see us living differently, when people see us loving one another, accepting one another, confessing our sins to one another, not being too proud to put ourselves behind someone else. When people see us helping one another, this will prove that what we believe is true. I mean, we're called to live differently. We're called to see people differently. We're called to work differently. And today we're going to talk about what it means to give differently. Now, next month, we're going to be talking in depth about what it is we're giving to as a church family. You know, why do we give our time and our attention and our resources? Why do we share that? Well, next month, we're going to talk specifically about what that looks like. In fact, at the very end of the sermon today, Brian Elliott's going to come up and he's going to talk with us about how we've stewarded our finances this year. 
and and what God has done with us this year. So so that'll be at the very end. But but next week we're beginning a series on what it means to give, what it means to give with purpose as the family of God. You know, what does God want to do here with us in 2018? We're going to talk about what God has revealed to our elders through their prayer, through their time together, through their time with you. You know, in Proverbs 29 it talks about how where there is no vision, the people perish. And another translation is where there is no revelation, people just cast off restraint, as another translation. God is revealing himself to the leaders in this congregation. They're seeking after God and what he wants for us as a church family. You know, God's leading our elders. And next month we talk about where God is taking us this next year, what God's vision for his church looks like. You know, where our involvement's going to lead us, where our finances are going to lead us, you know, who we're going to bless in the coming year. So I hope you'll be here next month, starting next week. It's going to be a good conversation and an important one for this church family because God is moving us forward and God is moving us outward. Are we ready for that? Because there's going to be some good things happen this year. It's going to be hard. And some of it's going to be challenging, but it is going to be good. So next month, that's what we're doing. Have you ever wondered what it takes for God's purpose and vision to be carried out in his church? You know, sometimes I come into my office and there is a clean coffee mug on my desk. And I know that it was not clean the night before. So are these church gnomes, you know, little invisible things that come in in the middle of the night. I just think that that's, this is kind of like what some ministry in this church is like. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. There are people who, who are committed and devoted to doing things, doing good in the name of Jesus Christ through this church family. I don't even know what they're doing, but I know it's good. I don't know who's doing it, but I know it's, it's people who love, who love God. It's made me realize we are God's plan A for bringing hope to the world. We are God's plan A. I used to think God, if he wanted to do it, it would just happen, it would do it. But he wants to do his will, his things through us. So if we say no, then his work is not going to be done. Because he wants to do it through us, through his people. There has to be a moment when we are looking at what it means to transform into the image of Jesus. There has to be this moment. A lot of times we think once we become a Christian, everything's just going to work out and we're going to want to serve, we're going to want to do this. And I think that, that, that some of that is true. But I do believe that we have to let the Holy Spirit work in us to, to create in us people who want to serve, to allow us to be people who want to, to, to do those things behind the scenes and to put others first. And the transformation that happens through the Holy Spirit, it can be seen in how we live in our ordinary, everyday situations. When we think no one else is watching. Transformation begins when we allow God to help us let go of our desire to be the center of the universe. Transformation happens when we allow God to show us what it means to let go and to give. You know, to let go of those things that we hold on to at all cost. Those things we are trying desperately to maintain control of. What would it be like to let go of those things? Because 
because not because we just say, oh, I don't want to let go of it, but because we know God will take care of us. It's amazing when people give. Shannon was finishing up a long night waiting tables. She had waited on one particular table and they were really rude. It was a tin top. Ten people. She made one mistake and it just made them even more angry. At the end of the night, she got the check back and the only tip they left was, maybe you'll get it right next time. As she went to get the check from another table, it was two businessmen sitting over there. She got a note from them also and it said do not let those fools ruin that beautiful smile and they left her a hundred dollar tip at Goodfellow Air Force Base several soldiers have become pregnant throughout this year and military pay is not so lucrative some of you know that so adding an additional mouth to feed in the middle of your training is difficult so some people from this church got together and they said hey We need to take care of some of these people, as many as we can. So what they did is they created an effort to help new moms with essentials, diapers, formula, car seats, pack and place. The note I received was, morale has improved. I'm not a military man. Apparently that means a good, and that's good, right? (laughs) I would have to say that's an understatement. To a new mom trying to make ends meet, this is a game changer. Julie's dad almost died. He desperately needed a kidney. And recently he received one. In fact, Julie's mom was the donor. Julie's mom and dad have been divorced for 16 years. I could go on and on. There are story after story after story of people in this church and outside of this church who know what it means to give. When I was preparing for this week, I was reading these stories and I got lost in them. Sitting in Starbucks and it's kind of funny, you know, there's a guy in the corner who's tearing up with headphones on, that's me, and I'm, they're, I'm sure they're going, what is going on with that guy? Why is it that this overwhelming story of generosity that we see, why is that so motivating and emotional for us? And as I'm looking at all these stories, literally, I have these story after story after story, and I'm thinking, what is the commonality? And I think it's this, that in each one of these stories, there was one person who paid attention and noticed another person. Somebody paid attention and then sacrificed for someone else. I mean, people who are willing to sacrifice, who are willing to give their things away, even if it's personal, like a kidney. Wow, that's generosity, isn't it? People who give as if they have nothing to lose. This is giving differently. One of the most quoted and memorized scriptures of all time show us the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. We know one important fact from this scripture. God is a giver. 
And you're like, uh, yeah, I knew that. That's nothing new. God is a giver, but he doesn't just give to give. He gives because he loves. God so loved, so he gave. Since the creation, he's been giving us gifts. In Psalm 84, 11, it says this. It says, for the Lord God is his son and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. Not withholding any good thing. Which means you're giving every good thing. That's extravagance and generosity. I think generosity is God's way. It's in his DNA. I couldn't find holy DNA. This is the closest thing I could find. I don't know if it looks different, but I do know that giving is in God's DNA. He wants it to be in ours too. Did you know that in scripture, over 2,000 scriptures talk about giving? about money possessions around 16 of the 38 parables in the new testament are about giving your wealth and possessions i think we're being reminded that the kingdom of god here looks a lot like people who are willing to give differently it's generosity and generosity is important to god because it's important for god to be generous it's important because god gave and he gave his son gave his son which means he was paying attention well before that in Genesis 12 we see God paying attention to a very obscure man a a Chaldean somebody who you probably wouldn't have been able to recognize or pick out of a crowd he gave his attention to a Chaldean named Abram and the attention would have been enough of a gift but we know that God is generous and he's overwhelmingly good so what does he do he makes a covenant to Abraham you know they didn't have contracts back then or or papers to sign so what they did is he told Abram he says hey we're going to make a blood sacrifice get five animals the number five is very important he says do something pretty bad he says cut them up and lay the pieces on both sides with a walkway in between and the tradition was that whenever you made a covenant with somebody this is how you would do it and if this was important you both would walk through this big bloody mess and you would say to one another may this happen to me if I break my promise with you I would prefer a contract, but apparently that's what they did. I mean, you would look at these pieces and say, okay, I think I'll keep my promise. Now, what's interesting is that these covenants were usually made and initiated by someone who was weaker to someone who was stronger. A lot of times nations made covenants with one another because they needed prosperity or security or safety. So, So they would make a promise to somebody who was more powerful than them so that those people would help them be safe and secure. This is not what happened here. The most powerful entity in the universe made a covenant with a Chaldean. He made a promise with someone who had absolutely nothing to offer him, really. God loved, and he wanted to be generous with someone. So God initiated this covenant, and he held himself accountable for it. And if the covenant wasn't enough, I mean, it's it's great. 
to have a promise from God, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm going to expand your, your family. In fact, he says this in Genesis 12. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The covenant, if that were not enough, he says, I'm going to bless you even more. And, and this attention should have been gift enough. But no, the gifts are overwhelmingly good. So good that everything he gives to Abram, it's going to be overflowing to the world. In fact, the goodness of the gift he gave to Abram was so generous that it's going to bless every family on the earth. That's a gift, right? That's generous and extravagant. And his gift to Abram, it's ours too. Because we are, we are receiving the blessing from that. But he didn't stop there. He made another covenant with an undeserving David. If you know David, he didn't deserve a covenant. But God said, I'm going to make a promise to you, David. I'm going to love you and, and, and one of your descendants is going to be on the throne forever. And then we see another covenant to an undeserving people. Through Jesus, he gave us Jesus and Jesus offered us life, hope, and peace in abundance. And God didn't stop there. Even though the people killed his son, his most precious gift, the gift that God gave because he loved. We killed him and God gave Jesus life again. And that life, that gift of life he gave Jesus when he raised from the dead was so overwhelmingly good that that life now spills over and is available to all of us as well. All of us, just for the asking. We just have to accept it. But he didn't stop there. You think that's enough, eternal life, that's enough. But once, he, once we accept that gift, he gives us something else, the Holy Spirit. Oh man, if, if Jesus wasn't gift enough, now we have the Spirit of God. And if that's not more enough, the Holy Spirit continues even still to give us gift after gift. Every good and perfect gift, guiding and helping us, helping us to live differently, to see differently. He's opened up our eyes to a whole new way of living. Talk about an undeserved gift. God has given us everything He has. And he continues to give because he has nothing left to lose. The question I've been asking myself this week is what do I have left to lose? What is it I'm holding on to still? So Paul's talking to Titus and he's talking to this Cretan church. And he's trying to make sure that Titus knows how you grow a church is to help them know that living differently, using the knowledge you've been given, this is the key to bringing others to Jesus Christ. Letting God work through you. This is what he says in chapter 3, his final remarks. He says this, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God, of God our Savior, appeared, He saved us. 
not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs of his having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. I mean, as we look at this, do we see this underlying theme of deep sacrifice? Did you know sacrifice? We are all capable of this. Doesn't matter how old or young you are. With the Holy Spirit, that sacrifice we are capable of is so much more. Think about this this passage. To be obedient here means letting go of our way and accepting that God's way is good and enough for us. Being ready to do good, as it says here, is it means that we're letting go of the idea that we are most important. It means giving our attention to others and doing good for them. Could we be peaceable? Could we be considerate and gentle instead of being slanderous? Could we be willing to give up the idea and the need to be better than other people? To be first. And instead of demanding that people pay for their sins against us, Could we be willing to give grace instead of punishment, gentleness instead of hostility? He says, remember, he says, foolishness, disobedience, slavery to passions, malice, envy, hatred. Each of these things that we used to be, they center around us taking, just taking at all cost. It's as if life is a buffet and we are coming back for tents. You know those people, they spend five, six hours in a buffet. Come on. That's what it's like for some of us in our life if we're continually taking and taking and taking. Spiritual gluttony. To take as if we've been given nothing? We have to fight for everything we get? We have been given everything. The truth is that God is good and He loved us. He is kind. He, for some strange reason, He's offered us eternal life. And we don't even deserve it. But not just any gifts along with that eternal life. He says that He has generously poured out all the gifts of love and forgiveness rebirth through his son Jesus Christ and ultimately this is what I love the most he has he has made us into heirs along with Jesus Christ to the fortune of God compared to that fortune what why are we holding on to anything why are we willing to not give certain things and why not live differently why not give differently i mean we have received such overwhelming generosity can we not give generously as well 
What if we gave as if we had nothing left to lose? I mean, God gave us that which was most precious to him. What could we give in return? It's really amazing when you think about it. I mean, what is it about humanity that gets God's attention? What is it about humans that God cares for us? I mean, we know what we're capable of, don't we? Or do we? Do we know what we are capable of? I mean, maybe this is why God is continuing to try to remind us that we have been made in his image. And because of the generosity he has poured out on us, with the Holy Spirit that he has given us, we have the potential to be just as generous as he has been. We have the potential through, through the Holy Spirit to be extravagant with our gifts to others. Imagine every word we say being a gift to someone. Every action that we partake in being a gift to someone. Being just as generous and extravagant with our life, our attention, our presence, and our resources as God is. Wow. Today, I just want to present this idea. And I want you to think about what it would mean for you to give differently. I'm not just talking about giving more. I'm talking about what would it mean for you to give with generosity in all of the areas I have listed today. In fact, not just to give, but to embrace generosity. To give up your need for anything but God himself. You know, God was willing to give up everything and sacrifice everything so that we could have eternal life. And look what those gifts have done for us and the world. Imagine what your gifts could do for others what would it look like for you to give as if you had nothing left to lose let's all stand together Jake's going to lead us in a song and I want us as we sing I want us to consider and ask that God helps you see those things in your life those gifts that we have been given and ask him to to help you see what you could, could do and how you could give differently in this coming year. Let's sing, Jake.